right, thank you. Good morning. Good morning. Awesome. I think my pacemaker's working. I know I don't look like it, but uh, one time I used to play guitar. I was in a band. It was a garage band, because we never got out of the garage. <laughs> but uh, I don't think we even had a name. But my father came to me one day and said, is that the only song you know? You know but appreciate the music. Awesome. Thank you. I've never had bright lights on me either. How are you all doing? All right, so in preparation for coming, this morning I told my son, uh, I said, hey, I'm going to go to the Journey Church and I have an opportunity to share. I said, I want to do something different. I said, would, would you like to team preach with me? Because this is what? Father's Day, right? And I just wanted to see what lessons he learned from his dad or the other dad, the imaginary dad, you know. So I invited my son to come, and I'm going to ask him to come up in a second. So he went online and looked up the Journey Church because his mother said, hey, we need to run down to the store, do your coat and tie and, you know, the whole thing. And then he text message. How many of you text message? Yeah. yeah he, do you text message? Ellen? He text messaged me from the basement one day, which is not good. But anyways, he text messaged me. He said, Dad. I looked online, the journey is not a tie and coat church. And when I came in, I realized you were not, and I'm, I'm the only one out of place. Uh, so I'm going to uh, invite my son to come and just share a couple minutes, and uh, don't worry about his outfit, he belongs to some sect or something, no, I'm kidding. He belongs to the, uh, he, he attends the Messianic Fellowship in uh, in Roswell, Georgia. So this is my son, Boyd. Come on up. I'm told that I can use this. Yeah, my... So I had a really short notice, but if you were in our family, you would understand that's how my dad operates. <laughs> so I threw something together here, and I hope that it blesses you. What I wanted to talk about was, are you guys getting feedback here? I apologize, but I wanted to talk about a hero's legacy. And I also wanted to say, Dad talked about the lights and stuff. This is a lot fancier than the churches I grew up in when Dad was pastoring. <laughs> so you guys are very blessed. I want to share with you about heroes and legacy and the most important things that I learned from my father. Now, some of you may not have known your dad. I don't know. And others of you may wish you had never known your dad. That's the case for some of us, for sure. There's, there's hurt there. Some people didn't grow up with a dad or even a good dad. I'm here to tell you that that's okay. We're going to talk about that. Because no matter who you are, i got a secret for you. Each of you, all of us, we actually do have a good, good father. And that secret is something that I learned from my father. And that's what I want to talk about is what I learned from my father. I'm a pastor's kid, a PK. I don't know if there's any other PKs out there. I was born the son of a preacher man who preached at some of the smallest, poorest rural churches across the South. Dad preached at churches that couldn't afford to pay him more than a few dollars, but the money, it didn't matter because Dad went where the Lord led him to go. Dad didn't care about the money. He cared about Jesus. And even as a little boy, I knew something was very different about my dad. 
I could look and see my friends' dads and how they would work hard and they would make a lot of money. They'd work hard and they'd get a new car. Or they'd work hard and get a new house. Or they'd work hard and get that swimming pool in the yard, right? Especially in the South, it's hot. I would watch as my dad would work for hours on end, sun up to sundown, 12 hours, 14 hours, studying the Word of God, preparing Sunday's sermon, preparing Wednesday night Bible study, preparing for a wedding, preparing for a funeral, preparing for a baby dedication, preparing for a baptism, preparing to counsel a married couple. And he did it all for next to nothing in money. And you know why? Because it mattered. My father's faith mattered to him. My father taught me that faith is a worthy endeavor and that your faith blesses your life equal to the amount of effort you put into your faith. Faith. That was my dad's faith. That's his legacy for me. A faith that told him no matter how unworthy he was, God still chose to rescue him. A faith that told him, I have rescued you from death and the grave and from the fires of hell. Now what are you going to do with the life I have purchased for you? And so my dad lived his life like a man who understood and appreciated the debt that was paid to ransom his life from death and the grave. And so dad decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. It's like that song, no turning back. My dad poured himself into his work for God and those little country churches across the south. And dad was an awesome pastor, but dad wasn't just the shepherd for the people at our churches. He was the shepherd for our family. He was a pathfinder. He was a compass that pointed to true north because dad always pointed to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Dad taught me to go to the word of God. What does the Bible say? He'd ask me whenever I'd ask him a question when I was a child. What does the Bible say? And it used to drive me crazy. Still does sometimes. I wanted an answer. I wanted a quick and easy answer. What's the answer, Dad? What do I do? What do you think about this? What do you think about that? What do you think about this that's going on in the news? What do you think about that that's going on in the news? He'd smile at me, and it would drive me crazy, and the smile and the same question, what does the Bible say? The man has multiple degrees, people. He reads his Bible in Greek and Hebrew. I just wanted an answer. But he never gave me the answer. He pointed to the gospel, and he says, what does the Bible say? Dad was growing my faith and pushing me towards God and true north. He was being a good father, a good shepherd, a good leader. Dad would get up in the night and pray for me. He was doing battle for my soul. And during the day, he'd keep pushing me to true north, arming me with the tools he knew I would need to fight the demanding war in this lost world that I had been born into. Dad taught me where to find faith, how to have faith, and in whom to place my faith. Faith. That's my dad's legacy as well. Dad taught me to hope as well, to dream. He always told me, even when I was very little, you are destined for greatness, son. And he believed it. It's hard to believe that your son is destined for greatness when he's so young that he's not even potty trained, right? But from birth, from the get-go, my father started in on me and spoke those powerful words of blessing into my life that I was destined for greatness, that I had a future, that there was hope. You see, Dad had hope. He had hope for me, and this hope for me seeded the hope in me, and that hope has grown into an unconquerable courage to pursue Christ wherever he may lead. 
Dad taught me where to find hope because my hope, the hope that my dad taught me, my hope was found in Christ Jesus. And my father taught me that. He taught me how to find that hope, that hope in Jesus where neither moth nor thief can diminish it. That's my dad's legacy as well. My dad also taught me how to love. I watched my dad and how he lived out his great love for my mother, who's here with us today. It's not easy being a pastor's wife, and I don't know if any of you out there, uh, you ladies, know as well what that's like, but your husband's time is spread thin over an entire church, an entire body of believers, but dad made up for it by living out his love boldly for my mother. Dad was a pastor, and we only had one car, like I said, little country churches. So sometimes dad would walk 20 miles, walk 20 miles, this was in the searing Mississippi heat, to go meet mom at, for lunch at the hospital where she worked. 20 miles, and that was more than once. You have to get up really early in the morning and get started walking if you're going to walk 20 miles and be there in time for lunch. And dad walked 20 miles just to have lunch with mom, and us kids, we went along with him. I was the youngest and the smallest and I didn't really understand how far away that my mom's hospital was, but it was a great adventure for me. I mean, I didn't, I didn't mind at all because I loved my dad and I knew that he loved me and that it was going to be okay no matter what. 20 miles, now that's love. Dad was teaching me also about love and that it's an action, not a feeling, not a word like the world would have you believe. But you know what else is love? Listen, along the way, I've made choices. I'm sure all of us can relate to this. Choices that frustrated and discouraged my father. And he didn't give up on me though, not once. Dad pursued me, he rescued me more than once with God's grace, and he modeled true forgiveness for me. That's love. When I was little, Dad and I would go fishing. For those of you who don't know, there's no G in fishing. And when I was little, just four or five years old, I didn't really like hurting animals, and that included insects, and that included bait. And so Dad would always have to put the bait on my hook. And I love fishing with Dad, and we'd go out for a few hours, and we'd come back home, and I'd be all proud and excited because I'd caught a lot more fish than Dad. And it was great. It was a big thing for me as a little boy. And when I was that little, I didn't really understand it. Uh, I was just excited that I'd caught more. But the only reason why I'd caught more fish than my dad was because my dad had spent the entire day baiting and rebaiting my hook and not baiting his own. He didn't mention it. He didn't mind. And that's love. Fathers are men who stop living for themselves and start living for their kids. That's love. My father came to define love for his family. Love, that's part of my dad's legacy as well. And my father has lived his life as a father in such a way that he has come to define love for our family. He's the kind of father that I want to be. He's the kind of husband I hope to be. He's my father, and he is my hero. The Bible says, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. I'm thankful that my father taught me about faith. I'm blessed to have a father who spoke words of hope over me and planted hope in me and showed me where to find hope that's everlasting. I'm thankful that my father taught me every good thing that I need to know about love. My dad may be perfect in my eyes, but my dad will tell you that he wasn't a perfect dad. He never claimed to be. 
He knew that along the way he was going to make mistakes. That's why my dad never pointed at his chest and said, be like me, be like me, be like me. See, dad never wanted me to be like him. Along the way, dad pointed to true north, to the gospel, to Jesus, and he said, be like him, be like him, be like him. Friends, listen. I've learned from my father that whether you're a good dad or a bad dad or maybe you had no dad, we all, each of us, actually have the same dad, a perfect father, a heavenly father who knows you and wants you to know him. He is relentlessly pursuing you with love, and he is Christ our Lord. That's what my dad taught me. You see, my father has created in me a legacy. It's a legacy of godly instruction in faith, hope, and love. And it is the legacy of my father. It is the legacy of a hero. Thank you. Wow, thank you. Did we, did we plan this? Is it written? Because I want a copy of that. <laughs> lunch is free. Just want you to know. Yeah, lunch is free. Um, I appreciate uh, my son sharing. And uh, I think it's going to demonstrate to you how the Holy Spirit works, because it is true. He and I did not talk about this. And, um, but let me go back. On. One, of, one of the times that uh, the three of us walked, kids and I walked, we got reported to the cops, remember? And the policeman came and stopped us. Yeah, and it, one, because I was dark and they were white. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, that was good. Yeah. And, and I was so glad that I had my ID on me because some store owner had seen us walking the beach area and, and they thought I was kidnapping the children or something like that. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, that was, that was good. <laughs> um, so, in preparation for today, as I said, my son and I didn't talk to each other, but he made an important uh, point, and that is when we talk about God or when we talk about Father, we have images, do we not? No. So, what image do you have in your mind when we mention the word Father? In my son's case, he has an image of me as someone who is not perfect. I didn't like that part, but it's okay. <laughs> How about near perfect? That would have been better. Yeah, near perfect. But uh, who loved him enough to point him to Christ. So when I asked my son to, you know, team preach with me today, he immediately went on Facebook and he said, my father has given me short notice, and I'm going to speak uh, at the church. And he said, tell me from his, his what do they call on, uh, what is it, Facebook? Friends, friends, friends. <laughs> Although you abandoned your best friend, that's okay. That's a personal. Okay. So he writes and he says, so I'm, I'm going to speak. Tell me about your feelings about your father, a lot of them were great. You know, things like, you know, I wish I could hug my father one last time because he's in heaven and all this. So some of you have great positive images about dad. But here's one that caught my attention. 
This is my wife's uh, Android. You posted it so I could read it, right? Because I told my son, I said, I can't. I don't have Facebook if you're looking for me. You know. But this is, this is the, it just went out on me. Oh. So hold on. Hold on. No, this is dialing a phone number. Hold on. Okay. okay. I got it. I got it. Did, did my son tell you I have multiple degrees and, and I was your pastor's professor? Okay. So I won't tell you the name. But here's what she replies. She says, what I learned from my father, I learned that not all fathers are, are capable, capable of being dads, and not all fathers are meant to be fathers. I learned that everything my father is is exactly the opposite of what I want my husband to be for my child, or for my children, and his daughters from his previous marriage. That struck me. She said, everything that I learned from my father is exactly the opposite of what I want my husband to be. I was talking to several of very close friends. And so I turned to them and I said, hey, I want to talk about fathers. What do you think? And one of them, I think, was crying that I can't remember a single good thing about my dad. I got her brother on the phone. We happened to have been talking and, and uh, said, you know, what do you think about dad? And, and his response was, what I remember dad is that he worked all the time. And when he was home, he fought. It was better if he wasn't home. We have different images. On this day, June, is today June the 19th? June the 19th. 19 years ago, I don't know if you know this about your pastor, his father died. How many of you knew that? Yeah. June the 19th, 19 years ago, his father died. He and I were talking about fathers. And he said, I miss him terribly. 2002, my father, John Kendrick, died. I miss him terribly. So we have different images of father. But as we think about fathers, I want you to think about the most wonderful father of all. That's God. Do we have a Bible verse up there? No, no, not I can. I want it. <laughs> it was like, all right, <laughs> There you go. What is your name? Caroline. Caroline, would you just read that for us? No, no, you got to stand and read out loud so they can hear you. This is like school. Yeah. The spirit that you receive is not the spirit of slavery. And you no longer need to live in fear anymore. You have, you can read daughtership, in there, right? Yeah, you have sonship. You have daughtership. And we can call him Abba Father. There's a dozen of ways to talk about God in the Bible. But Jesus chose this particular way to reveal himself to us. Abba Father. 
In fact, in the Bible, Jesus uses the word my father 53 times. He calls God our father 21 times. And he called God your father 21 times. If you're going to take notes, how many of you are going to be taking notes? I just want to see the faithful few. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Three out of, uh, thank you very much. Was there somebody in the last row taking notes? Raise your hand high. Thank, I want you to see. Okay. They'll get, they'll be, they have mansions in heaven waiting for them. Closer. <laughs> Rest of you, when you get to heaven, you'll be in detention for a while. <laughs> in the time of Jesus, the Jews had dozens of names for God that they, they, they used at different times. For instance, if they had a need in their life, they would call on God as Jehovah what? Jireh. Who said that? Were you helping with my sermon? You had your chance. Oh, were you helping with the sermon? Okay, you had your chance. <laughs> Stop. Okay. Someone asked my son one day if he's going to seminary. He said, I've been in seminary for 36 years of my life. <laughs> you know, just ask me any question. So he would say, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. If they were anxious, they would call on Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is our peace. If they were lonely or afraid, they might call on Jehovah Shaman, which means the Lord is there. If they needed leadership, they would call on Jehovah Rohi, which means the Lord is our shepherd. And if they were sick, they would call on Jehovah who? Rapha, the Lord is our healer. Much more names. But to the believer, believer, another name was revealed by Jesus. Abba, Father. Now, what's interesting about this Abba, Father concept is this. Some of you may have bad images of your dad. You can redirect it to God. Some of you may have good images of your dad. He's imperfect. Look toward the perfect father. There are three important words I want you to underline or take. Are you ready? The first word is this word. I want you to write the word fear. All right? Give some spaces. This is like school. You know, I love this. You know? Second word I want you to write is the word adoption. And then I want you to write the word Abba. Because when someone mentions the word father, I want you to think about the most wonderful father of all, God our Father, because he loves you and removes all of your fears. Remember my wife said, because I was dark and our children were white, right? My wife is very white. She's from Ider. How many of you know where Ider, Alabama is? Have you been to... Really, one hand went up. Get his name. <laughs> he is a world traveler. <laughs> yeah. But um, I was not born here. I was born in Seoul, Korea. How many of you have been to Korea? You need to go. Um, I was born in 1952. And the day I was born, I was abandoned. Went from orphanage to orphanage. At the age of, age of eight, they take you to the front door of the orphanage. 
Because by the time you're eight, they realize you're not going to be adopted. Because when people adopt children, who do they want to adopt? Babies. I never understood that. I always thought Americans who visited their orphanages were really dumb. I didn't want to be adopted by them, personally. Because they pass by an eight-year-old toilet train, house broken, brushes his own teeth, <laughs> dresses himself to go to a child. You know? But I was very jealous because they would hold babies and do baby talk. And I realized something. That in all my life, I never remember someone talking like that to me. See God in his grace, in his love. Sent a missionary who had gone from China to Korea, found me on the streets, and you know it, eight and nine and ten, I was irresistibly good looking. I mean, come on, isn't it? my wife married me. I, normally I would have, my son said, Dad, do you have PowerPoint you're going to do today? I said, no. He said, so you're going to go back to old-fashioned, you know, thing. He said, this is a church that would really like PowerPoints. And so if your pastor invites me back, I'll bring PowerPoints and pictures, <laughs> you know, of what I look like, you know. Little less pixels up there. You know. But uh, so John Kendrick, God opened his heart, and John and Rose adopted me. But one of the most important things, because how much time do I have? No, no, I got 11 minutes. One less song for the next service. Okay. So, you, know, you would not appreciate You're not even going to be here next service, are you? No? Because you were really into the music I was watching, and so that's cool. Uh, I'm sorry, I got distracted by that. Uh, my, what is it I have? ADHD, whatever. Like, there's a squirrel. No, not squirrel. There's a squirrel. There's the bird. Whatever. But uh, you know, I was at Truett Memorial Baptist Church. Pastor Hughes was pastoring and was talking about God as Father one day, and I was 13 years old. And when they said God as Father for me at the age of 13 was a bad image. Because the father that, I, that gave birth to me abandoned me. The grandfather that took me in beat the crap out of me to where I ended up in an orphanage. And I remember John Kendrick got on his knees one day and he said an important sentence. He said, Peter, I want you to know something. When Pastor Hughes is talking about God as father, he's not talking about your dad that abandoned you. Not talking about me who's not perfect. He's talking about God the Father who loved you enough to die for you. Then he made a very, my dad made a very important statement. And I don't think he even knew that it existed in the Bible, but the Holy Spirit laid it upon his heart. He said, I want you to know something. The God that Pastor Hughes is talking about is a God who will never allow you to feel like an orphan. That's what I needed to hear. Someone who loved me enough, who died for me, and who never abandoned me. Isn't that the kind of God you need? Someone who loves you so much that he says to you, no matter what you do in life, what decisions you make, good or bad, I'll always be there for you. Your parents may criticize you, but I will always love you. How many of you make perfect A's in school? Any of you? Oh, in sixth grade you make? Till sixth grade. Oh, till sixth grade. Yeah. 
I'm, I'm married to a 4.0. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I made good grades in school. And uh, in my family, you didn't get, you know, some families, if you make an A, you get a McDonald's, right? Or some present like that. And if I made an A, my father would say, well, that's expected. Because <laughs> you're Korean, and all Asians make A's. <laughs> and, uh, I said, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, ha- I, have, I have friends who, who you know, they, they make an A, or, or they bring home a report card, they finally made an A, and what's the first thing the parent recognizes? Not the A, but what? The B. And said, you could do better. You know, you realize this is not going to ever work. But aren't you glad we have God the Father who says it doesn't matter what grades you make, what mistakes you make. I love you, and I'll never abandon you. That's why I accepted Christ as Lord and Savior of my life. What was the second word? Adoption. Adoption. Uh, it's a great term. You, uh, you know, when Paul wrote this, he's a, he's a Jewish Roman, right? Just say yes. 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 Because it's so dark, I can't even see you people. That's why I'm only talking to you. <laughs> it's not that you're special, but... <laughs> You're the only ones I can see, you know? And so when Paul used this word, adoption, it's an important word because in the Jewish society, remember my son is in the Messianic Jewish congregation, take notes for your rabbi. There is nothing called Jewish adoption. When you did not have an heir and you died, one of your family members slept with a widow to produce a child. In the Roman culture, you could go out and adopt a child. It's interesting about this word adoption in, uh, in Roman law is that by contrast to any other law, the Romans could disown a natural child, but what could he not do an adopted child? Never disown the child. So when Paul says you've been adopted, and that's a permanent thing. Am I right? It's a permanent thing. And... Um, when I, I did slightly misbehave when I was a, after I was adopted, but I would remind my parents, you know, adoption is permanent. <laughs> I think I did that after I turned 20, because when I was first adopted, I remember the two great things my father said to me. I'll just share one with you. He poked me on my chest, and he said to me this, if you smoke or you drink, I'm not telling you, it's my dad, okay? If you smoke or drink, I'm going to kill you. And I thought, since he adopted me, maybe he could. You know, so, so I never, people say, why didn't you drink or smoke? Because I was in fear of my dad. You know, but dad, you know, adoption is a permanent thing. You get a new name. My name is Peter Wright Kendrick. It's named after the missionary nurse's uh, brother, Peter Wright. You get a new family. You get now, I've, I've reminded this to my sister and my brother many times. The inheritance is yours. You get a new inheritance. And what's interesting in the, in the Roman custom is that you didn't wait for your parents to die. You began to enjoy the inheritance while you were alive. Apparently, my son and daughter understood that concept and said, I like to have mine while I'm alive. You know, and my wife said, Sure. Uh, so that's why I'm going on Social Security. Like, I was told by my wife 
I thought for so many years I was 62. And she said, you were born in 52. This is 16. You're 64. So if I'm slow today, it's just I realize how old I am. Okay. But the adoption was for a purpose. The adoption was, why did the Romans adopt a child, a male child, if they didn't have one? Because the central focus of the Roman life was based upon worship. And they needed a male priest. And that was his role. That was his role. Is to bring the family for worship. And continue that legacy. When you become a child of God, what is part of your role? Is it not worship? Right? Is it not to bring the family to God and the others to God? And so in that image, what he's saying to you is that, uh, can you do, oh gosh, I can't do this. Write A-D-O-P-T. Go ahead, A-D-O-P-T, down. You know, like down, down, right? Because this is an acrostic, is it acrostic? Well, no, I'm not that great. I'm Asian, but I'm not that great right now. <laughs> so here's how you remember the word adopt, okay? Adopt. A is just the word A. D is door, you know, D-O-R-R, right? Two, purposeful life, that is God's plan. When God adopts you, it is to a purposeful life, that is his plan. Does that make, is that acrostic okay? You approve? What is your name? Syndicus. At the 10 o'clock, 10.30 service, if they disapprove, I'll have them call you. <laughs> right. Think about this. You're not an accident. Am I right? You're not. And regardless of what others think of you or what you think of yourself, when you are adopted into the family of God and he becomes your father, there's a new purpose. You need to realize how important that is. You know, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but I suffer from low self-esteem. And I'm very introverted. How many of you believe that? <laughs> I'm sorry. You were laughing at me mockingly? You? No, no, no. Don't look backwards. <laughs> it's, 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 oh, was it really her? Oh, it was really you? Oh, man. My trifocals. I got to do this thing better. Mockingly laughing. No, it is true. Because, you know, sometimes when you look in the mirror, you ask yourself the question, good night, what good am I for? You know, my parents tell me I'm worthless. They call me stupid. You know, some say you're a mistake. But when you look in the mirror and you see through the eyes of Christ, he says, you're the one I created. And you're the one I adopted. So that you can call me Abba, which is what? Aramaic for? No, no, no. The father part is a translation. What is the Aramaic? Your pastor went to school with me. I know he learned this word. Now, what does Abba mean? Okay, how many of you call your father's father? Yeah, you say what? Dad, and what? And, and when you do, you, do you all have children? Are you married, by the way? I hope so, because I just married you, <laughs> you know, <laughs> put you together. So do you have children? Yes. All right, so when your son or daughter first started speaking, did he call you dad? 
or what? What did he say? Dada, dada, daddy. How old are you? You're younger than me. You should know that stuff. <laughs> you know, good night. Yeah, that's, that, that word Abba is an intimate word. So when I got adopted, I didn't call the man who adopted me John. Does that make sense? Yeah, I didn't even know he had a first name until I was 36. You know, but uh, I called him dad. I never even called him father. You know, now my children call me, what is it you call me? Yaba? Is that from Star Wars? Yaba? And my daughter calls me what? Old man? She calls me old man? (laughs) She used to just call me man, you know. But it's terms of intimacy. Think about God, the creator of heaven and earth, and all that is, saying to you, don't call me by any other name. Just call me dad. Because you see, when you're the dad, there's nothing you will, do, you will not do for your children. There's nothing you will not do for your children. Listen, in a, in a school full of kids, I can recognize my son's voice. In a nursery full of children, I can recognize my daughter's voice. And anytime they cry out, my, my daughter cried out and said, Dad, I need a camera mounted on the peephole right on her apartment. She lives in Savannah, Georgia. How many of you go to Savannah? All right, it's like five hours. For some of you, it's three and a half, I know. But it's five hours normally. Guess where I'm going Monday? To take care of my daughter. Now, to put this on, it takes two screws. But her dad has to do that. See, when you call on dad, there's nothing he won't do for his children. What's, what's a, what, I just did Abba already. Yeah. I did adoption already. I did fear already. I'm like, oh, I got one more minute. Okay, one more minute. I'm, I'm good. Put the verse back up real quick. I'll be, for those of you that want a better presentation, I'll be here at 1030. You know? <laughs> This is kind of like, who told me this was a rehearsal? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Yes. What's your name? Tony. He said, this is a rehearsal. If you do good, you'll be back at 1030. How am I doing, Tony? Good? Okay. Okay. He needs Jesus. All right. All right. So... uh, I want you to go back to the first part of the verse. What does it say? The spirit you what? Received. You see, in order to experience him as dad, you've got to receive him. He's got to be a part of your life. God is the father of all creation, but he's the dad of his adoption. This morning, let me quickly ask you, you don't, whether your image of your dad is good or bad, Today you have an opportunity to receive into your life Christ Jesus. Have a dad who died for you. Have a dad who adopted you. Have a dad who will come to you anytime you cry out. Because in order to have that relationship, you have to be born again. Does that make sense?
You see, my son had to be born for me to be his dad. I had to be adopted for John to become my dad. This morning, you have an opportunity. Father in heaven, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for the things that you've shared with us. Father, we thank you for the laughter, but in the midst of that laughter, I ask that your Holy Spirit speak to one person who may be brokenhearted, who needs to just to be right with you, and who needs to let go of the past of their dads and receive you as the father and dad of their life. And Father, we just thank you for this church and its people.